Thank you very much. Having a bit of a sore throat today, so excuse my tea and my... Yeah, you missed an opportunity there. Yes, and I'm not wearing jacket, I noticed as well. Yeah. I forgot at home this morning. <laughs> Blame the headache or something. Well, we're going to look at this topic together, hopefully, and um, come to some good conclu- conclusions together and looking at what the Word of God says and um, how can we go forward. So, uh, I'd like to start by asking you what do you think uh, why do you think people or us sometimes don't preach the gospel or don't share the gospel to our friends or to our families? Any takers, any brave ones? I'm asking for your participation, yes. Fear of rejection, good point. Anybody else? Yes? You, we're not authorized. You feel we're not authorized. Anybody else? We think they don't want to hear it. <clears throat> yeah. We don't have enough conviction. What? Somebody else says something else? Intimidation. Good point. Anything else we can think of in this transept? Come on, guys. Sorry? Exactly. I'm not bothered. I couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah, it happens to me. I don't know. Maybe you're in a different level, but anybody from here? We don't know how. All excellent points, I think. Um, I thought of a few myself, which you practically said them. Don't feel that I'm, I'm, I'm equipped to do it. I think it's somebody else's job. I think it's the evangelist or the pastor's job. Um, don't worry, I'll just pray and God, God will bring them. You know, miraculously will happen. We don't feel we have the moral authority. We don't feel we are holy enough. We think, oh, I'm going through all of this. Who am I really to tell them there's something better? They can see, don't live better than they live. So, what can I say? We compare ourselves with others that go and do it all the time. And we're thinking, I could never be like that guy. So you just give up. You say, it's not worth it. No, it's not worth it trying. I'm never going to be that good. I'm never going to be that articulate. I'm never going to be that person. So immediately, we reject it altogether on those bases. Sometimes we just can master the boldness. You know, because of your personality or whatever. You're thinking, they are asking you. What about, you know, there's something different about you. There's something, I can see something. And, and you know what the answer is, but you, you cannot master it. It's just, you feel overwhelmed. You feel like you may not have the right answer. You feel insecure in, 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 in what you're going to say. How you're going to lead them. Or maybe, like someone says, you're just indifferent. Um, just not focusing on me, my career, my family, and uh, you know, I'm sure somebody will, that is their job, will bring them into the kingdom. I think this highlights a lot 
about the fear that is in our lives. I would say it's fear and shame that I think are two, two of the major issues. Probably not going to touch in if, you know, on, if I'm not bothered about it. Uh, or it's not my problem. But I think indirectly will touch. But I really want to talk to you about is... <coughs> sorry. <laughs> about <coughs> fear and shame. And what we're going to do is... <coughs> I'm going to show you from the scriptures... What I believe um, are good examples of how God works through these issues in our lives. And then we're going to stand up and pray to those people that think they need a breakthrough in this area. Yeah? So we're going to be praying and then stopping the, the message and praying for people and then continuing the message and then stopping it. Like that. Fear cripples us in every way. Think of an area of your life that you've been fearful and immediately it freezes you. You stop doing what you should be doing. You stop doing what you want to do. Many times you stop fulfilling your dreams. Fear is the opposite of faith. And faith is the language of the kingdom. The currency of the kingdom. So if we are not moving in faith, how can we be successful in our walk with God? It's very hard. Fear, I believe, is the number one enemy of your destiny. And it's right within us. The thing about fear is that it's you, the one that is fearful. You cannot put it onto anybody else. I mean, you'll try. You'll say, oh, but he is so angry and bold and bowled me over all the time and rough with me. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you have to be fearful. If you know who you are in Christ... What happens is that fear makes us fix our eyes on the circumstances around us rather than in Jesus where everything is possible. It tells you you cannot do, you shouldn't do, you're going to get in trouble. Why bother? It's not worth it. You don't have what it takes. If you do it, if you step up, something's going to go wrong. You don't have the authority. Go and try start preaching the gospel, and the devil will get bad at you, back at you. Nonsense. Let's go to the scriptures and uh, read together from uh, Judges six, the, the story of Gideon. And um, I've, I've heard some preachers when they talk about Gideon. I mean, I'm sure many of you have heard this story many times. It's like, oh, this fearful guy that was trembling in the corner. But I don't think that was the picture. I, I think Gideon was a pretty normal guy, uh, living in an awful situation. And I think many of us will be in the position that he was if we were surrounded by those circumstances. What happened was that the Midianites were coming and uh, destroying um, the crops taking all the sheep or the cattle from the people of Israel they were literally like locusts coming through the land and they were unstoppable uh, at least by the Israelites at, at this stage they were like 
They will wait until the Israelites do the job with the farming, and they will come and take all of the produce time and time again. And they will live in that oppression constantly and afraid of when are they going to come and kill us and take our stuff. In verse 11, Judges 6 verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the therabinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. In order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. So this is the this is what happened. Obviously you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. He was doing that because he was hiding from the Midianites. If they would come around they would see him just taking the wheat out. And, and trying to use it. And <clears throat> at this stage, the angel of the Lord shows up. And what is the first thing that does? He, the angel of the Lord calls the destiny of this guy out. He doesn't see that he's fearfully doing something in the wrong place. He doesn't see that he's hiding like a coward. He doesn't call him a coward. He calls out the destiny of this person. He sees... Because it's, it's, of course, it's, a, it's, an, it's the angel of the Lord. It's a representative of God. So he is telling what God is telling him. This is who you are. And Gideon has a very interesting response. In verse 13, it says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why all is this is happening to us? Why is everything going wrong? Why are we getting ripped? apart by these people? And where are all the, his miracles, God's miracles, which our father told us about saying, did not he, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, God is, God in this, no, sorry. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So, how many of us have had an encounter with the angel of the Lord? One person. Two persons. Do you think, three, do you think that the first thing that you will do, the ones that haven't had it, is to go to them and say... Hey God, what about this? What about that? What about that? What about that? Seems a bit strange. I think I will fall on my face and cry. I don't know. Do the right thing. You know what I mean? Not just say, hey, yeah, but you're not blessing us, dude. What are you talking about? I think he had some valor. Gideon somewhere. But he was saying is, how does this work? And I like it because the angel of the Lord completely ignores him. And he continued to call, call out his destiny. Right? That's the part that I misread. 
Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel. So ignore him completely. Didn't even bother answering him. And he's uh, whinging, if you want to put it that way. So he said to him, O Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign. So the guy will not even believe that this is the angel of the Lord. It may be for for a few reasons. I don't know. It may be that he saw a person and just a human-looking person. Many people think that the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament was actually Jesus. And maybe he wasn't talking to him, but he was getting this word into his head. Because I think if he was a fiery angel with a fiery sword, he would not probably have a doubt. So it's interesting that he's still trying to work his way around this. And he asked the angel of the Lord, if you continue to, to give him a, please, give me a sign. And it's interesting because that sign is that he brings an offering and puts him in the altar and calls fire, this angel of the Lord calls fire from heaven, and the stones catch fire. Do we have any living stones that need to catch fire this afternoon? Is that going to be a sign? Come on. So, what is happening? In his ho- is in, if you read from verse 9, in his house, his father built this... Um, idol, Behal, to worship. So the whole town will come and worship this idol. And one of the things that fear uh, infects and, and really affects is your worship. Because they were fearful, they start to turn into the other gods, the gods of the other people, and worship them. It's, the, it's similar to when you have when, when you are in fear of being broke, and Gary was talking about the offering earlier, if you are in fear of being broke, you tend to go the way of the world, which is hold as much as you can and give as little as you can. But we know that the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. And it's challenging because it makes us choose are we going to focus and concentrate on money and in a way worship it? Or are we going to let go and worship God and do as He says and be generous with our money? Fear does that. Fear takes us away. Takes away and diverts our worship to the wrong thing. So where is God in all this thing? He said... I will be with you. He said to Gideon, I will be with you. Go and do what I'm asking you to do. He basically told him to go and take down this, this idol from, from his father's land. He was extremely fearful. He said... I'm going to go take it down, and then people are going to come after me and basically kill me. So 
But God said to him, I will be with you. The angel of the Lord says, I will be with you. And I believe that's a sign that you're going to need God to be with you. You see, he doesn't do things just because. Because we always want God to be with us. But in this specific circumstance, to defeat the fear, he needed to know that God was right by his side. Anyway, he went at night, as the story goes, and, um, and took down this idol and burned it with a few friends at night so that nobody will see him. And it's interesting what happened the next morning because this act of courage, seemingly, you could say he did it in fear, but he still did it, causes his father to wake up in the morning suddenly after being worshipping every day to this idol and say, when people of the town was asking, where is the idol? He must have been your son. Let's kill him. He said, hey, wait a minute. If this idol is, uh, is God, then he can defend himself. So suddenly this man's courage is turning around a whole community. One act of courage from this man. It wasn't even his greatest achievement. But yet... By leaving fear behind and doing what God was asking him to do, he was starting to, he was starting a revolution in Israel, starting from home. Courage causes people to see th- to see through. Sometimes we are so trapped in fear that we just could not believe that if we do the right thing, it's going to be all right. While Gideon was hiding in the wine press, he was called a mighty man by God. God sees where we are going, what we are going to be. He doesn't focus on the circumstances. He has complete confidence in his ability to bring about the plan that he has for you so that you can fulfill your destiny. However, if we allow fear in our lives... It will affect our response to God. Fear always infects and redirects the worship, which will remove, because it removes the focus from God. You cannot be in fear when you look at Jesus' face. Why? Because He irradiates love, and love casts out all fear. So if you're struggling with fear, let me tell you, it's, it's not given to us the spirit of fear, he says, his word, 2 Timothy 1.7, but power and of love and of a sound mind. Have you ever met someone that is more fearful than you and it seems like they're losing their mind? Isn't that deep? Do you wonder in your life why I've not seen the power of God in this area of my life? And maybe it's because you are living in fear? Coming back to preaching the gospel. Are we willing to lose faith? Are we willing to make mistakes? Are we willing to leave behind the fear of man 
to maybe start a revolution in somebody's life that will change his whole family because of your courage to preach the gospel, because of your courage to share the good news. I think I want to suspend some time asking God to search our hearts. And if there's any area of your life where you've been moving in fear, not only about preaching the gospel, we're talking about this. This is the main thing today. Maybe you have. I want to encourage you. I want to say your courage will release truth and may bring around change that you thought impossible in someone's life, in someone's family. But also in other areas of your life. If I can have somebody play the piano for us, that would be great. And we're going to spend just a few seconds um, thinking. And then I'm going to ask you, if you want to receive prayer about it, just to stand up where you are, and I'm going to pray for you. But let's first spend a few moments just tuning into His Spirit and let Him speak to you about this and let him show you if there's anything that you need to change in your life Lord speak to us Holy Spirit we don't want to live a substandard Christian life Lord where in many areas we live fearful of what men can do to us, of what they can say, of, of losing out on something, Lord. We know that if we are with you, we can lose out. So help us, because there's still areas, Lord, that we need to defeat fear. Gideon won this battle, and then he went to another battle. And he was in the when he was actually to go and fight the Midianites, God said to him, there's too many of you. 32,000, it's too many of you. And then he chose 300 to go and fight the battle. And you will think by now, Gideon had already the full armor of God and was a bold, valiant, courageous person. But yet God said to him, even at this stage, at that stage, if you still fear, go into the camp of the enemy. And we know he was fearful because he went. The reason I said this is because sometimes we are in different stages in our Christian walk. And there's another level of fear that we need to defeat. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will show you that this afternoon.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Give us also the how to that specific situation. How do we turn our worship to you? How do we turn our love on on that situation so that fear is cast away from it? Show us, Holy Spirit. Anybody that is struggling with fear this, this afternoon, please stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're struggling with fear in your life, I want you to stand up. I want to really pray for you. That you will be free. Spirit of fear, look and tremble. The people of God cast you into the pit of hell, out of each one of their lives. You have no right. I forbid you upon each one of these lives. And I ask Holy Spirit that you will fill these hearts with love right now. Fill them with your love. It's not by might, not by power, but by you, Holy Spirit. Let us be bold to preach the gospel. Let us be bold, let us be bold to follow our dreams and the destiny that He has for us. Oh, let your love right now call out on each person the destiny as you did with Gideon. Mighty men and women of valor in this house. Open their eyes, O oh Lord, so that they can see themselves the way you see them. Holy Spirit. Thank you. Hallelujah. <coughs> amen, amen. You may be seated, everybody. You know, the enemy, the enemy of our identity, that which we are in Christ, Many times it's shame. We know we're not perfect. We know that there are still 
some issues and things that we have to deal with in our lives. And what happens is that sometimes that can get right under our skin. And shame walks right in and starts undermining who you are in Christ. And it will tell you, you don't have the right to speak the word of the Lord. You don't have the right. Look at your life. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're not doing. You should be ashamed of yourself. And suddenly we become this person which is not who God has called us to be. We start doing things that God never intended for us to do. We continue to look at the things we're doing wrong and strive to see how we can change. We don't let grace wash over us because we are too busy looking at this thing, at this sin, at this thing that I can never get on and do, I want to quit smoking, I can never do it, and how can I tell about God to someone else if I cannot quit smoking? And I strive and strive and go crazy about it. And the only thing I think all day is about quitting smoking, never could. Rather than focusing on Him, rather than receiving from His grace freeing power, deliverance for it. Of course, there's something we have to do. But always looking at Jesus. Always with no condemnation. Never with shame. Never with shame. We all have sinned and fallen short, says His Word. All of us have sinned and fallen short of His grace and His glory. We can never be close to Him if it wasn't for Jesus and the work that He did on the cross. And I want to ask you again this afternoon, as the prodigal son did. You know, the prodigal son that took his fire inheritance, went and spent it all, and he was there working with the pigs, realized, oh my God, I can do better if I was back home working as a slave. So he came back full of shame, full of shame. He finally got it. He understood he has wasted his and he was wasting his life. He realized the only way out, the only answer was in the Father's embrace. And he was willing to come back to the Father and work as a slave. But we know the story. And this is what happened when you are coming out of shame. This is what happened when you're able to lift up your eyes and bring some authenticity into a situation. And say, yes, you know what, I may be that, I may be that, I may have gone wrong in this. But I love you, Jesus, and I, wanna, I want you to change me. I want you to transform me so I can share the gospel, so I can be the light that I'm meant to be. And what happened? When he came back, to his surprise, when he did that step of coming back home, the father ran to him and embraced him. And took away all the shame. He clothed him immediately. He gave him a ring of authority. He is waiting for us. With arms wide open. 
I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you have not done that He asked you to do. Comparing ourselves with other people makes us feel second class so many times. Comparing ourselves with the Bible characters make us feel second class all the time. But don't fall for that. That's the trick of the devil. That is shame stealing your identity. That is having little appreciation for the work that Jesus did in the cross for us. Because he said, he says that he bore our shame at the cross. Why do we walk in shame when he took it for us? So I want us to look into our lives once again and say, God, have I been ashamed of myself because I did this, I did the other, or because I didn't do that, and, I didn't do that. and then I, fe- I didn't feel I had authority to talk to people about you or even come close to you, worship in the services. I, I didn't come to church because... Well, Saturday night wasn't my best night of the year. And so I stay home. I didn't feel worthy to be in your presence, God. People of God, he's not afraid of the dirt from the pigs. He's not. He loves you. He accepts you just as you are. So I want... I'm going to be bold right now and ask you, if you feel some shame in your heart, I want you to stand up and I'm going to pray for you. There's good news for you this afternoon. As I said, authenticity destroys shame. Be real with yourself this afternoon. The Father will embrace you, I believe. I believe if you stand up, you've gone 90% of the way towards defeating shame. Because you've been real. You've been authentic. So there's still a chance before I tell you what the Bible says about shame. This is His promise, not mine. Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of your shame, so he will take your shame now away from you, you will receive a double portion. Amen? Those of you who are standing, are you ready to receive the double portion? Anybody else that wants to stand to receive the double portion? glory. It's not too late, guys. Instead of shame, verse 7, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Isn't that great? Holy Spirit, I release this promise upon your people. And I ask you, grant them the double portion. Take shame away. Jesus, you died on the cross for our shame. 
take it with you. We are not ashamed. We are not ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. Lift it, lift it, lift it. Never come back. Never come back. Never come back. Let the double portion be your portion and not shame. Holy Spirit, I pray that it will be real to them. This double portion will be real. They will experience it and experience it in a tangible way, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You may be seated, everybody. Living a life of freedom, free to share the good news, free to start a revolution of the gospel in your family, in your friends. Living in love and without shame is really close. I want to encourage you to do something courageous this week. Something that goes against your sense of shame. Something that goes against your fears. Maybe that means to preach the gospel to somebody that is long overdue. I hope it does. But now I want to give an opportunity for people that have not experienced this love of God. Have not experienced what it is to be made friends with God that have never experienced what it is to be loved and embraced by the Father. I believe God wants to pour out His love upon all of us. John 3.16, in His Word, He says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So I want us to pray a prayer together. This is a prayer of salvation. This is a prayer to say, Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross. The work of reconciling myself to the Father. I accept that when you died for me, you took away all my sins. You made me clean so I can come boldly now. Because you're in my heart. I can come boldly into the throne of God and enjoy all the benefits of His love. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you today. Lord, I am a sinner. I have many wrong things in my life. But I accept you this afternoon as my Savior. Jesus, I know you have the keys to eternal life. I know that out of love you died for me on the cross of Calvary. I know that you want to embrace me and take away all my sin. So that I can have fellowship with you and the Father. I can receive this 
love in my heart that I so badly need. Jesus, come into my heart. I invite you right now. I want to ask you now, if you identify with that prayer, if you pray that prayer in your mind or in your heart as I was praying it for the first time and you want to say yes to Jesus, you want to say yes to love, you want to say yes to the Father's embrace, I want you to lift up your hands where you are. I'm going to pray for you after the service. I'm going to give you a little gift and take you to the next steps. Thank you. There's a person here. If you can have the consolidators ready, please. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you, those who lift up your hands. Lord, I pray that you will use these souls mightily, that you will pour out your love upon them like never before, that they will be able to feel the closeness to you and that you are so, so real, Lord. Bless them in everything they do. Let your peace be with them. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Are you happy? Hallelujah. Glory. My wife would say, I'm a drama queen, but I survived. It's great to have shared with you, and uh, thank you very much, Gabriel. God bless you.